If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. Achieving long-term investment success is simple, but it's not easy. It demands unwavering determination to stick to your investment strategy and stay committed even during turbulent times. And this is the view of Earl Fanzale, who is the head of retail product development at Allen Gray. And he joins us to talk to us about how to achieve long-term real investment returns. Uh, the three golden rules for investment success. Uh, Earl, thank you so much for your time. I mean, let's unpack this. Investing for real returns. What exactly does that mean? Hi, good evening, Natasha. Thank you uh, for having me and good evening to your listeners. Uh, very simply, real returns are the returns that we earn on our investments over and above uh, inflation. So you know, a very simple example, let's say you started with 10,000 rand at the beginning of the year and you generated a total return of 10% on your investment over the year. <clears throat> and let's say that inflation for that year was 6%. Um, so the, your 10% total return means that you, you know, you've grown your investment from 10,000 rand to 11,000 rand at the end of the year. But if inflation is 6%, then 600 rand of that 1,000 rand, you know, just accounts for the fact that uh, inflation is eating into your your savings. And so the real return is actually just the difference between the six uh, the 600 rand and the uh, and the 1,000 rand in total return. And so in this case, it would be 4%. So, yeah, so uh, real returns are just the difference between your total return and the inflation. Talk to me about the, I suppose, the role of equity exposure in my investment journey and in my portfolio in order to help me meet those um, long-term goals. Sure. So, you know, over the very long term, what we see uh, across the across the world, actually, um, when you look at uh, uh, markets across the world, is that equities, listed equities in particular, have been um, the best way to generate these real returns that we started speaking about. Um, the other major asset classes typically are government bonds and uh, cash. So where you know equities have generated real returns of five percent a year over a hundred years. You know you compare that to bonds, which have delivered just above one percent, and uh, and cash just below one percent. So really, equity exposure in your portfolio is important because that's the surest way to generate real returns over the over the very long term. It's been quite a crazy period, especially when you look at equity markets, whether you, I suppose, look at what was going on during the 2020 period uh, or even recently as we talk about, uh, you know, global recession risk or even U.S. recession risk or some of the different things that are playing out, uh, high interest rates, inflation. Uh, how difficult is it to stay committed to equity exposure, um, especially when the markets can go up and down? I think it is difficult. We, we see clients and investors. Um, you know, it's it's easy in, in theory to, to for us to speak about not letting your emotions get the better of you when you're investing. But you know, all of us um, are emotional beings, and um, we all respond in different ways. But you know, uh, with some emotion to uncertainty and to volatile markets. You know, the, the two things I would say to people is, you know, the first thing to remember is that. Returns that you generate from uh, equity investments typically are not actually that directly linked to what's going on in, let's say, the economy or in politics. Um, often those are just uh, sources of noise, and it's much more important to think about the fundamental uh, investment case of, of any security that you're buying. So that's the first thing I would say. And the, th- the second way to try to 
um, respond less in, in an emotional way to volatile markets is to have a long-term plan in mind when you start to invest. And that's going to help you um, sort of, you know, put aside the day-to-day or month-to-month noise that you get from, uh, from the economy or from politics or other news flow. If you have a, you know, let's say a 10, 20, 30-year investment horizon, what's happening today, tomorrow, next week, is not that important uh, in terms of your long-term uh, success. Is there something that can be said about how the different generations respond to equity exposure, like when you, when you look at behavioral patterns? Yeah, I think it's probably a function of less, of, less about your age and more about when you, know, you likely started to invest. So obviously people that are younger, um, let's say if you're in your uh, 20s or in your 30s and you only started investing five or 10 years ago, and then by definition, compared to someone who is maybe you know, 50, 60 years old and, and started investing 20, 30 years ago, your, uh, your starting points would have been very different. To someone that's maybe only been investing for the last five years, you know, maybe they've experienced what typically we call recency bias, which is this idea that recent events will tend to inform your, uh, your ideas or your beliefs about, um, uh, about future events. And the market for the last five years has been you know, pretty disappointing in South Africa. So uh, South African equities have delivered only 5% returns compared to the very long term of the last 50 years that delivered uh, about 8% returns. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of recency bias. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, someone's only been investing for the, five, for the last five years. And then the other typical behavioral bias we've seen in some people that perhaps haven't been through many market cycles is this idea of loss aversion, which is just the, you know, the, the idea that people tend to experience losses um, uh, in a way that's very different to equal gains, but, but when, that, when those gains are obviously on the upside. And we try to avoid losses, even if it means we give up the opportunity of, of making those gains back. And actually, you know, if you've been investing for 50 years, about 40% of the time, your um, your investment would have decreased in value over a full year, and people I think often start out investing expecting that the you know it's going to be a smoother ride than that. But actually, what you see in the data is to generate those eight percent returns every year for fifty years, you need to be willing to go through these periods where markets can be very volatile. Yeah, I mentioned in the intro that. Like we're going to be looking at the three golden rules here, and I suppose the one where we talked about embracing equities for those real long-term returns could be rule number one. Uh, what's rule number two here? Rule number two is linked to what we've just been speaking about um, around you know the, the the fact that you have to be willing and prepared to um, to take a little bit of uh, volatility in your portfolio when you have equity exposure, and um, so although equities you know, are the best way to generate real returns, you don't get that for free. And the cost of that is that, you, you, you know, your portfolio is going to move up and down more than, let's say, if you were investing in cash or if your money was sitting in a bank account. And the second rule is to try to manage some of that risk. So don't avoid the risk of, of investing. Um, you have to invest in equities and that comes with some risk, but you can manage that risk by one, diversifying your portfolio. So don't invest, you know, in one share, <clears throat> excuse me, or... Uh, only in equities, you can invest across equities, bonds, and cash. And the other way you can try to diversify your portfolio is don't invest only in one market. So, 
you know, the South African market is just one of many around the world, and the South African listed market is, you know, less than 1% of the total global market, and so you can diversify your portfolio across different geographies as well. And the second way I would say that you can uh, manage risk is by investing with an active manager rather than in a passive index. And what an active manager tries to do is, you know, we've been talking about managing risk and active management is all about trying to sort of balance the risk and expected reward from uh, investing across these asset classes on your behalf. So a passive index here would be like an ETF? Yes. Uh, I mean, you get passive unit trust funds as well, but yes, uh, ETFs are a very popular way um, to invest in, the, in an index. But the idea of passive investing is, you, you know, you buy a basket of, let's say, shares in um, the weight that those shares make up in the index, whereas in an active, um, in an active fund, um, you've got someone who's making decisions about whether to own, um, own shares or not. And, you know, typically they're not that worried about uh, whether you're underweight or overweight relative to the index. Okay, so that was rule number two. Uh, let's talk about rule number three here. And I think we touched on it uh, slightly a little bit earlier on here. And I suppose it's one of the things about the markets here is that things don't always go up. So what's rule number three? Rule number three is, you know, start out with a long-term investment horizon in mind and try to stick to that plan regardless of the short-term noise. Um, yeah, so we, we've spoken about it already a little bit, this idea that, you know, when you do have equities in your portfolio, your portfolio is going to go up and down a little bit more than if it was just in cash. Um, but try not to respond to the temptation to switch in and out of funds or in and out of your, your portfolio when things are going badly or, or less well than you expected. Because what we see is when people try to time the market and they respond to short-term news flow or to, to, um, to uncertainty, you know, they tend to sell at the very worst time and they tend to buy at the very worst time as well. And over time, those decisions compound and what you end up seeing is people <clears throat> uh, generate returns that are much lower than if they had just stuck with their original plan and, uh, and not touched their portfolio. So not touch, uh, that sounds so hard. And I'm thinking about, you know, some of the things, you know, most people have exposure to, especially during this period where you may have been inclined to reduce some equity exposure and go into cash or go into bonds and do some, I want to call it rebalancing for lack of a better description in this particular right. case here. But it would have been so hard given the uncertainty in terms of that fact that we didn't know where interest rates and inflation is going. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's important to remember that the price of a, of a security when, when you're buying it on the, you know, on the market, let's say listed equities, the price already reflects people's expectations. So if you're uncertain and the whole market is uncertain, that's already likely reflected in the price, right? And so the price is, um, if, if there's bad news flow on a company, the price is likely to reflect that. If there's good news flow on a company, the price is already likely to reflect that. So trying to time the market, you know, very few people um, can know exactly when the price of a share is at its lowest point or its highest point. Yeah. And, and the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it's much better for us to rather stick to the, your original investment plan. You know, so that puts a lot of weight on making sure that when you start out that you've got a good investment plan, you understand how you need to invest to reach your long-term goals, and provided that you're comfortable that 
your investment portfolio matches with your plan and your goal, um, it's very unlikely that trying to time the market, you you know, each of us trying to time the market when um, there are many, many actors in the market and prices reflect, you know, the average of everyone's expectations, it's very unlikely that um, each of us is going to have more insight than the market overall. Yeah. So it's just much better not to try to do that. Okay, so we got the rules. Rule number one, embrace equities for real long-term returns. Real Rule number two, rather, manage your risk exposure. And there you looked at the importance of active management and diversification. And we've just got rule three, uh, staying invested, uh, even though markets can go up and down. Um, to wrap it up for us, what's the one thing you want listeners to remember as they navigate their investment journey? I would say if you're going to remember one thing, it's that you need to have a substantial amount of equity exposure in your portfolio, regardless of um, your objectives. So, you know, provided you have a long-term horizon, and, and in, this, uh, in this context, I would say long-term is anything more than sort of five years or so. If you're saving for the long-term, and especially if you're saving for retirement, you need to have substantial exposure to equities because those, um, uh, you know, equity exposure has been shown to provide you with the best expectation of generating these real returns, which we've spoken about. And, you know, real returns are extremely important in terms of um, saving and planning for your long-term goals. Oh, thank you so much for your time. That is Earl Fansale, who's the head of retail product development at Alan Gray. Helping you secure your future was brought to you by Alan Gray. 50 years of long-term investing. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.